Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're tuned in to the Gangster Chronicles with James McDonald, Reggie Wright Jr., and Alex Alonzo on the Digital Soapbox Network. I have a material witness on an aggravated battery uh, with a handgun, and uh, they believe uh, this might be in retaliation uh, to her testimony. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles. My name is Alex Alonzo from StreetGangs.com, a.k.a. Street TV, and usually I say I'm here with my two co-hosts, but I'm only here with my one co-host today, James Reggie McDonald. McDonald. <laughs> Reggie's still here, though. Reggie's still here? Yeah, Reggie's still here. Okay, Reggie's spirit. Reggie's still here in spirit. He's about, uh, I don't know, several hundred miles away, and this is episode 31, and if you're new to the podcast, please uh, visit us at Apple, Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. You can rate us from one to five if you love the show. I would also encourage you to just copy and paste the link and you can share the episode or share the show to anybody else in your contacts. And for those who don't have an Apple phone, we're also on Google Play, Spotify, and Radio.com. And also, you can check out video portions of this episode and the last three episodes on the Digital Soapbox Network on YouTube. For those of you who want to see us interacting with each other. And you can find James on Facebook at James McDonald with the Red Harley as the profile picture. And he's also on Instagram at B-I-G-G-J 3636. He still has those shirts. Hit him up. 909-800-6404. Yes, sir. And uh, you can find me at streetgangs.com. Just click the contact link. And you can find me on all social media platforms at at uh, Alex Alonso one zero one. But what we're going to be doing while Reggie's gone is we're going to always try to have not always, but we're going to try to bring in a guest. Sometimes, sometimes it'll be a guest. Sometimes it'll just be James and myself chopping it up. But today we have a guest, and you may you may be familiar with my guest because he was on an episode of Street TV. And if you look up the word survival, 
or adversity in the dictionary, they should have a picture of him next to it. I say that because we all know somebody that's been shot at. We all know somebody has been shot once. We might even know someone that's been shot twice. But this brother has survived getting shot on three separate occasions. That is a very short list for myself. And when I meet those type of people, in my view, God has a plan for them. God has touched them. So you might think it's some thuggery to get shot three times and survive, or three separate occasions. But um, I think it's special. Um, He's got one of the smoothest voices ever. He, He rapped for many years, going back over a decade. He currently has two podcasts right now. And he has one of the dopest catchphrases you're ever going to hear. Jack, let him do that one. None like other it. than Mr. <laughs> On My Mama himself. I love it, too. Cato is in the house. Hey, yeah. what's up with it, man? Oh, my mama! <laughs> man, I'm glad y'all hey, got me he's here, He's been man. saying Thanks that, man, man, for over over 10 years. I got oh, him on video saying that about 11, 12 11 years, years ago. ago man. Like, <laughs> now, Spider do it too, but he doubled up on it. Oh, my mama, mama, mama. Yeah, That's yeah, but I, like uh, I, I was, I mean, you know, every hood and every street niggas always said, oh, my mama, on God and yeah. all that type of stuff, but I was the first to actually make it a catchphrase on the entertainment level yeah. or, or far as, you know, I always did everybody ad-libs. So that'd be like, you know, do I have them? So I think I'm like, oh, oh my mama, fuck them. Yeah, so now, my, <laughs> I don't want shit. you to get into the details of, of getting shot three times because I got a video about that coming out. Yeah. But have you ever met anybody who's been shot on three different occasions? No, nah, not in real life. Not no actual person. I know either. one other person that's been shot on three different occasions. Actually, I know two. James, I'm sure you probably know a couple. But it is a short list of people who've been shot I've been, on three different I've been occasions. Shot uh, a few times shooting at somebody, I got shot. Um, uh, just hanging out, I got shot. Uh, leaving a fight, jumping in the car, I got shot. Well, shit. So I got been shot. We, my, my boy got my boy got strikes up. Oh, you got so you got more than three three occasions. Well, I was I was shot right here, in 1980. I was shot in between my my thighs. I was shot in the back with a nine. Here was a 38. A nine, I got shot by the Park Village with a shotgun sprayed. I still got the bullets, the pellets and shit in my hands. Um, and this one here. Four so four times. different occasions. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, shit, he got me beat. Yeah, you're on a short list too, James. <laughs> well, I mean, basically, man, I wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't, you know, God's will. Shit, you know, some we of that blessing. All the time. <laughs> blessings over here on this you one, know, I mean, but and, and, and it's, it's some shit, you're not just going to be out there good. Yeah, you know my little brother Timmy was shot 21 times on one occasion, just that one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he got shot in the back, so he been shot two different occasions. My bu- my brother Buntry was shot nine times on one occasion, and he passed. So you know it all depends. You know some you know my it just wasn't my number. You know what shit, I'm saying? So, Showed and planned shit. Well, we we got a <laughs> we got a video, Cato, that details that, but. Um, before we get into some of the topics of the show, I want you to talk about the two podcasts you, you got going on. You got one with Yuck Mouth, yeah. uh, Smoke A Lot Radio. Smoke A Lot Radio. And Yuck then you Mouth. got Tapping In With Cato. So talk yeah. about those. Smoke A Lot Radio, uh, we, we formed that, you know what I'm saying? We was on another network before a few years ago, and my homeboy Michelob is the one who really got me that gig with Yuck to um, get on um, Smoke A Lot and be a co-host because he was offered the job, really. And um, Yuck was like, I got a podcast coming back, you know what I'm saying? Because he used to be on 
another network before that. So Smoke a Lot, the brand already was cracking with another co-host, but he offered Michelob the job. Michelob like, no, nah, my nigga Kato, let him do it. You know, he funny. And it's a trip because the day that I was offered the gig was the first day I came out side from getting shot this last time when I lost my lung. So it was kind of crazy to just my, it was like one of the marijuana events with, um, downtown and, you know, Yuck pull up, he offered me, so I got referred, so we ended up being on the other network for about a year, had it cracking. That was with uh, Cypress Hill, right? Be Real TV, Be Real yeah, TV. we was over yeah. there first, then, you know, due to some uh, creative differences, we got the fuck up out of there, you know what I'm saying, rebranded ourselves over here. And, Is Be Real uh, a blood from L.A.? Because he's a Latino dude. He's from Southgate, I believe. I always hear someone saying he's from neighborhood, family, swamp. No, nah, he probably from Southgate and probably just has some partners in the security detail. You okay. know, a lot of motherfuckers do shit like that. So you're a native. you you from California. I'm from South Central California hey, my his, whole his life, His whole period. name is Cato-fornia. Cato-fornia, you know <laughs> oh, what I'm saying? Okay, I just said Cato. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's okay. what my dad spelled it. I'm, I, I, I inherited the name. That ain't okay. no shit I made up. My okay. dad is... Kato Mac. I'm Kato Mac. He's El Kato. Oh, so y'all so, from the streets? Yeah, my pops is 27 straight. OG Boss Hogg is my daddy. Larry Jones Sr. I'm his junior. So, you know, I inherited the name Kato. That wasn't no shit I thought was sexy. I just made it sexy. <laughs> sexy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know I know what I'm saying? When Pac yeah. came out, the name got cracking, though. You know what I'm saying? Kato! Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, so, Smoke A Lot Radio, the new brand. We over here with Simone Taylor. You know what I'm saying? The dope. Actress and shit, and yuck, Oaktown legend, and now's the real LA voice that from South Central LA that got the cachet to say certain shit and tap into shit, so it's a cold mix. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. Um, so, your, your two co hosts on Smoke A Lot, we had Yuck mm-hmm. on the show one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yada! Yeah, um, he with it. I like Yuck too. <laughs> hey, he got he got one of the, the that energy man. The, the that coldest, infectious. He got one of the coldest hits in hip hop history. Man, he ain't got to do number that sing song, that motherfucker that for the rest of his days. That song ain't never gonna stop being played. Yeah, everybody uses that. That shit like the Star Spangled Banner for marijuana. That's like a commercial for <laughs> straight. It is straight. Isn't up. it like a commercial for every alcohol brand? <laughs> yeah, from from just the turn up and making motherfuckers get involved financially in the turn up. Yeah, yeah. I got you know five on it. Who ain't got a little high five? I mean, thank you, man. That song is just—it's so crazy true. that you could turn that just little phrase that we probably said it a million times before the song and ever came how, out. And that's how you say he came up with it. They were just sitting around broke <laughs> and shit, like piecing up. And that's, that's why how I, it is in the hood. See, when so, music was real, something yeah. real like that, which is right in your face mm-hmm. every day. We choose some people choose to be other motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> you know so Snoop. Snoop Dogg said uh, had a line in a song that I used to hear the homie say all the time before that song ever came out. It ain't no fun if the homie can't get none. Come on, That's man. True, true. How many t- how many years have we heard that in the streets? Many times. Yeah. And then this guy just throws you know, it into the you hook, know who right? Always have listened to that slogan, Little Fizz. Cause ain't no fun if the homie can't have none. Man, <laughs> you know, I have to let that hang out. But you know, I think when I used I to hear messy. it, it meant like. <laughs> You gonna share her with the rest That's of us? That's what it was about right? back then. Yeah. Remember all yeah, yeah. niggas know back when niggas ran trains? But, Man, hey, you know, ditching party pussy. You only got a few minutes. Mind. Everybody got a ride. Hey, hey I'm gonna tell you something. I used to go. My mother used to light a cigarette. And when that cigarette get low and gone, you done with the cigarette, it was your time. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Go Real bring talk. back the old rules. Real talk. Anybody out there that know that, man... Hit us in the comments. That was that was the way. Only them real G's. That, that's that, that's my, my silver satin niggas know about that, man. man. 
I mean, I used to I used to bring a girl around when I was like 16, 17, 18, and and, and the older homeboy was like, man, it ain't no fun if the homie can't get none. Come on, man. <laughs> you gonna bring a bag of hot yeah. chips and can't nobody get a cup I'm of talking about like 85, 86, 87. I don't know what year Snoop put that in the song, but, you know. He got it from, you know, he got it, he got yeah. it from the soil. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's these phrases that we've been hearing for years that turn into millions of dollars for some of these rappers. It's crazy, like huh? Let's hope I can give some on my mama money. <laughs> now, it's been raped so many times. You're on your yeah. mama <laughs> is being used by a very well-known rapper from out of the Athens. On my mama, I'm on. Yeah, on, on, on my RJ. mama, I'm on. RJ. I, I stayed over there in that building on 126th and Fig, too. That real building before there was even food around that motherfucker. Yeah. You know and what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm... yeah. Oh, my mom, my mom. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But um, I don't think he got it from me or nothing, but it's a, it's a ghetto hood inspired time. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I say great minds thinking like, shit, fuck it. Cool. Now, um, we got to talk about... But he might have heard a mixtape and slip through, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Boo Lady and them used to bang my shit, so you never know. Oh, yeah. Oh, my mama been out for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, this is street time. shit. It's yeah. like saying, on God. Long, long time. On God. All right, so so this is our <laughs> this is our first episode without Reggie Wright Jr. Man. And, you know, I'm thinking about the brother right now. He's sitting somewhere probably in a cell in Atwater, yeah. California. In a federal penitentiary. In fact, he's in a camp, but that camp is connected to a maximum security. It's not connected. Oh, it's, it's not connected. It's, it's about. Is it across the street or something? Less than a quarter mile. Let's. It's, okay. It's, it's right across. That's what I wanted to well, know. Well, he eating good. Yeah, where where he's where he definitely eating good in there. Is man, when we got there, one of the the inmates came out on the bicycle. <laughs> oh, so pulled it's... up out the gate out of the the, the little yard on the bike. So I stopped him and asked him, man, we dropping off, man, woo-woo. So he get to telling us what we got to do. After that, dude gets on the bike and start riding through the parking lot. So yeah, yeah, he in yeah, a yeah. good spot. He all right. Yeah, he good. But he in the CCF. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was crazy <laughs> driving him down there. Yeah. And then, you know, looking in my rear view, looking at him, you know, while he was trying to sleep. I, I, I kept asking him, you got the butterflies yet? You got the butterflies yet? I, I'm knowing what he's going through. Mm-hmm. I'm knowing what he's going through. He's sitting there thinking the whole time, man, I'm about to be without my family, my wife, the whole nine. And I don't know what to expect when I get in this place. So just talking to him and just trying to, you know, reassure him that, you know, man, you good. You good, man. Ain't nobody, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. straight. Yeah. It still took effect on him. Where you can just now you see how nervous he is when we hit that corner and he seen that building. That building is a motherfucker. All that barbed wire and shit. He was like, uh, he had to take a deep breath. We went and sat down and ate. He couldn't. He couldn't eat. Couldn't eat. Yeah. That was his stomach. That was them butterflies, nigga. You ain't finna take nothing down. And then we went from from this side of the yard to that side of the yard, and. You know, we sat down and we actually had a conversation. You know what I'm saying? On how his daddy felt about this situation. Because he made numerous calls just talking, talking. And he kept calling his family and just, oh, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. Which any man that, that's finna go in there first time, you're going to get the butterflies and you're going to get the same shit that Reggie did. You know what I'm saying? That's his first time? And I'm... Yeah, when you just take your first your your first ride, you get that's on the Reggie's great first goose. ride in a joint. Reggie was a police officer, man. Reggie wasn't 
us. <laughs> Reggie ain't never, the only side he's seen of the yard was fingerprinting your ass and all that shit. Yeah, he was Damn. a jailer when he yeah, first started off. he was off. a jailer. So, but now you go from taking the cuffs off of motherfuckers to putting them on. Raising his hands and the, and the dude at the gate had to search him. I want your ID. Go sit back in the car. He listening to their commands, commands wow. that he once gave. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what was, uh, did he have to be there at a deadline, like a, a certain time? Well, they wanted him there at 2 o'clock. Okay. But we took off at 5 in the morning. And, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a problem driving him down there, which I wanted to be there for him. You know what I'm saying? Because I know what it's like. 
Why didn't his uh, wife take him? Why? Because he didn't want to. And, yeah. and, and that was my thing with him, too. You know, she getting up in the morning and driving you down, and she got to drive back by herself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Pops had to do his thing. His mom's had to work. Well, his father's definitely too elder, elderly to do it, and probably. It, and, and, I, and, and it's only right that his friends, yeah, I feel motherfuckers like, you call your friends, say, okay, come on, man, let's roll. That would have been a harder type of entrance, though, coming up in there and your wife and your kid dropping you off. And it's, what the type goodbye, of buy is that? That buy, that's like, month, that's like yeah. fucking with the self, the, the phone yeah. in there. You're going to yeah. be constantly. You, you didn't know Reggie used to be a cop back in the day before he was headed to death row? I didn't know that was his first time, first time oh. being, you know what I'm saying, incarcerated or something because, yeah. you know. But it's a good thing. And the reason why I say it's a good thing is because Reggie get to see all the shit I talk when I'm sitting over there, now you and he's sitting for there real. leaning back, you know, defending like, that side. Like that had to ask him that day. Now yeah. you're sitting in this motherfucker on the other side, and now you're gonna have, or you're gonna appreciate my position now. And that point of view gonna opposed change to on a lot of levels. Yeah, opposed to yours. So, I mean, man, it, it was it was crazy taking him down there, dog. What was your last conversation with him like before he had to, um, I guess, turn and go into the building? Were you able to walk in the building with him? No, actually, we we was, uh, they made us get back in the car because they weren't going to let all of us come to the gate but him. So we got back in the in the car, and uh, I'm I'm trying to film him go through the gate. And they told me, you can't film, man, fuck that. I'm going to film him going through this gate. But. I put it down because he was nervous. They made him come back after they ran a check on him and say, okay, yeah, you belong here. <laughs> and then, wow. Then they called him again. And then after they did that, we thought we was going to have to take him back to the camp. But they went on and took him inside the gate. And after they searched him and had his hands up and all that shit, he all right. Because we was trying to leave. When we first got him there, we was going to pull up in this motherfucker and drop him off and we finna go get back on the highway before traffic. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to get caught in the traffic. I drove up and back. So he was like, I ain't trying to go up in here this early. And woo woo. Okay, we understand. And uh, me and Brian just shooting the shit at the gas station. Then we had to drive all the way from the Atwater, go get something to eat. Sat there, talk, sat in the parking lot, and shoot, shot the shit for a minute to kill time. And then we just went on and took him up there, and they did their thing. And it was crazy leaving without him, man. It was like, mm. damn, my nigga gone for real now. <laughs> now it's official. Yeah. He out. I looked up on the Bureau of Prisons website his release date. It's they, February 2021. February 1st, 2021. Yeah, but my cousin is a correct officer. Correction officer, he called me after he seen the video, and he was telling me that that's going to change once they get him in there and, yeah. and sort out his time. Okay, so he can get his time uh, shortened. Yeah. Okay. He said he might have action because he had a, the, the bracelet on for the year. So if they do that, Reggie got love. Reggie will be home way sooner than we know. So he just told me to get Go back on there, get in shape, get yeah. right. No, they yeah. say them motherfuckers over there eat good. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> he saying. said they get cakes, pies, and all that shit. Yeah, I what? said, Reggie ain't finna lose no weight. Yeah, well, shit. Now, I noticed he had on a, the Death Row shirt yeah. while y'all was driving him up. Yeah. But when he walked in, it didn't look like he still had that Death Row shirt yeah, on. Reggie said, I ain't finna walk up in there with that shirt <laughs> on. He tried to keep Kevin Trio from me. Which is only right. I mean, if, I mean, 
if, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Yeah. I'd have, I'd have went in there with it. And fuck it, it's just a T-shirt to me. But <laughs> Reggie's, I mean, that could bring all different type of shit. So, and then Reggie, it ain't like motherfuckers didn't know he was coming. Yeah, they, I'm pretty sure everybody knows shit. he's coming. Yeah, they listen to shit in there. Yeah. Now, so, Kato, on, on uh, Smoke A Lot Radio, you had both Reggie and James on the show yeah. about, what, two weeks ago? About two, no. three weeks. About three, last about month, three, three weeks, weeks ago, yeah. 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 You guys, you didn't, I didn't even get to... Uh, oh, man, I like the thing. We show, had man. fun over there. We they were just talking just that shit, back, though. We don't really... Yeah. We just kind of just Breakfast Club 2.0 type of shit. We just <laughs> conversate and have fun on that motherfucker. Like, we touch shit. Mm-hmm. But probably not as in intricate detail like y'all. Yeah, Reggie had me mad over there too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. What yeah, happened? He's entertaining as well, motherfucker. They, we had a conversation about uh, what Vlad had posted. Oh, I and did actually yeah. watch that. that. You guys talked yeah. about Vlad yeah. posting when he black shouldn't get reparations. Yeah, yeah. is and, that right? You know, why would you think like that? You know, you making money off blacks, regardless if it's voluntary or not. You getting paid. So why would you eat off me and then speak on me in this fashion? Mm. One black represents all to me. Yeah. So I can honestly say I sat here in this chair and, and, and said black was, he helped me when when I was at a time where I wanted to speak out. But what the fuck do that matter if this is how you talking? You know, you show your true colors. I can flip like that. You're the wrong person to say that. That's deep. Mm. That's deep. I haven't seen the tweet myself. I would like to see the tweet and read how he, the context he put and, it in. And um, he wasn't asked that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just some shit he decided to say. Yeah. So that sure. that takes a lot of the, 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 the air, that pumps a lot of air into the bullshit because he wasn't asked. So you gave an honest opinion and if you in your feel world. Like you, you so just that's really how you felt. You know what I'm like saying? That. So you're yeah. getting comfortable because most of your bread comes from our ups and our downs. Yeah. You know. So did Reggie take a position that he agreed that it was too late for reparations or something? From from the on history show? I'm hearing about Reggie, Reggie took a Reggie position. Devil's advocate type shit. Fuck it. Yeah. And that's why I asked him. I said, I think you just be trolling and saying some of that shit because you can't believe some of this shit. But now that you're telling me the hundred percent. Law enforcement and you know I'm thinking he had a little thug juice dripping, so some of that shit I used to rebuttals when you know I nah, check out some of shit. I'd be like, Reg got a little bit thug. No, in I'm him. not talking about the like the thug <laughs> yeah, or yeah, a gangster part of about yeah. a person. I'm talking about the outlook when he said earlier about him going to sit down, gonna make him understand his angle yeah. of certain shit. So I mean it on that level, yeah. Not his gangster and nothing. I'm talking yeah. about far as how you reciprocate shit. Well, he definitely got to understand it now. Yeah. By by being behind there. Are they going to treat you different in there than every other inmate in there? Hell no, they're not. No, nah, no. Nah. And you, <laughs> you in the feds, it's a different ballgame yeah. in the state. Is the inmates going <laughs> to treat you like that? No. Mm-mm. So, you know, that's one thing about being in prison. You might have to worry about a motherfucker just mad at you and want to just stab your ass. Motherfucker be mad at you because you, you got a date. You know what I'm saying? That don't want to go home. Fuck it, I go back over there, but I got that motherfucker. But everybody at that campus got short time. <laughs> it don't matter. A lot of men done had uh, uh, two days in the wake up and went and stabbed a motherfucker. I can't leave this yard without getting this motherfucker. Some motherfuckers so don't turn up till they get on S time. That cat with that mentality, <laughs> and 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 I can't exclude him from not having somebody to feel that way or whatever. But to take up for people and you know they wrong, like Reggie do. We done argued many times sitting here. 
And my point is, now he see what I'm talking about. Because you're on the other side of the fence. <laughs> I don't think it's going to change the way he Bullshit. his view. You think, so you think when Reg get out, he's going to have a kind of a different a outlook? A different yeah. On, on, on a lot of on a lot of shit. Whether he like it or not. Because when he sit here and say, when we was talking about going out and those guys was asking, can they start this? What was that at in in Madrid somewhere? Oh yeah. And how he was like, oh yeah, gangbangers going to rule. Hold up. I don't give a fuck how you cut it. You you damn near gangbanger too. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so, going to jail, having to sit down. He going he going he's living with people. But here's my question. As Reggie Wright being the head of death row security, he had to turn his face at a lot of criminal activity like beatings and assaults. He knew people was getting stomped out. Well, that's so, a question we should ask Reggie why he was here. But why would he have to turn his face? But I'm saying he he was able to accept that. He he put himself in an environment where all kind of assaults and all yeah, kind of yeah, things. Y'all, y'all, y'all misunderstand Reggie. Reggie is a goddamn thug. Reggie <laughs> yeah, is like us. He just formulated is, his own. He's just a different us. You know what I'm saying? He ain't unleashed. He ain't let out. Reggie is is another one of us. He just a, a, a black man. I don't want to call him a nigga. Us niggas. He just yeah. like us niggas. But he, he, he definitely does not believe that there's a problem with unarmed people of color getting shot by the police. He don't think that's a problem. That's 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 not true. I don't care what position he stands behind the badge. He always supports He's, the yeah. police officer in and those situations. And I think he has to make that stand to make Gangster Chronicles what it is. We we have to you know agree to disagree. Uh, devil's advocate. Yeah. So, but if that's the if that's the part I think, he want to take, he, then he wrong. I think he took that role as devil's advocate so strongly he developed his own mental capacity of oh, accepting no. that bullshit. Oh, he like truly fuck believe, it. No, Reggie, Reggie. When Reggie was an officer, he's totally different from what you see. His opinion and his input and shit was, was he was rough. Well, where was the mental switch at? When did the shit switch and click to the when, to the when, other side, to the dark side, rather? And, and I don't know why we never even spoke on that when when he here. And we, What was the yeah. When Reggie, Reggie was a police officer. Mm. And I think we did talk about that. The conversation came up about Shug being kidnapped and all that shit. Reggie Sr. called Reggie Wright, his son, Junior. Junior get with Suge. They talking. Now he becomes part of Death Row. Now, you done, you done embarked on something totally different now because the police is already looking at Death Row. Now we got police officers here in Death Row, which I didn't like. And I've said it on this show, Vlad and everywhere else. And I also told Reggie this. I don't think you should be here, the police, because by him coming there, you got to look at all of these guys sitting against this wall. You have arrested these brothers, the homies, <laughs> and now you have to work with yeah, them. Yeah, break bread with them. So, like Reggie said, it took time for us to even like get to get to feel each other. But in the same token, I know y'all seen deep cover and all that other shit. The the longer you stay in the more you're going to learn how to... You get reset. You're one of us. Yeah. And and and, and, and he and it gradually, it, it came. The, I, I know y'all have caught Reggie many times saying one of the homies or one of us 
And then drunk, well, not I ain't, I ain't never game back, but woo, woo, woo. yeah, yeah. He kept he catches himself a lot of times Reggie. where he puts himself as one of the mob by rules, but then he says, no, 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 I never was a member of the mob. And the reason why he do that is because he have and and Reggie grew up in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? And by growing up in the neighborhood, now you arresting motherfuckers. Now you he ain't beating them, but couple of couple of cats he had fights with mm-hmm. that I'm not going to jail. Now you gotta wrestle them and, and, and go to jail. But where 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 I'm at is Reggie had to like gradually get into what his position at death row before they even start interacting with each other. You know what I'm saying? Then you got the cops on this side, and then you got the bloods on this side, and then you got the crips in the studio. So Reggie and them was just their own little thing. Yeah. And he was fucking with Shug. So now the homies is Okay, Reg is he on one. He doing this, he doing it. Okay. So now he accepted. Now they fucking with him. Now it's all own, good. Pushing so, his own line. That's how it was. Now I think a lot of uh, neighborhoods have that one guy that became a cop or went to the military. Yeah. In fact, recently there was a guy named Pierre Romain who actually went to um, Verbum Day with, um, with Reggie Wright. But Pierre Romain was from Rolling 60s Crip. And then he went to the military. Then he became a cop. But then they charged him with an old murder that happened in the 80s because of DNA. And he was found guilty of a 1987 murder back in 2017. or two, No, uh, he was arrested in 2017. He was just found guilty this year, 2019. But I'm wondering, how many people did we grow up with that became cops or went to the military? And Yeah, I think there's a whole, a whole lot. lot. A whole lot. Yeah. Do we look at them? Here's a question. We always look at the police department as like, man, it's too white. It don't look like us. But then when there is someone that looks like us as a cop, we say sell out, Uncle Tom, right? But a lot of them don't take on the they just like us attitude. They turn into them. Until some some tumultuous happen in their life and they need the niggas back. They need the ghetto back. But they don't just like I said one day on the show, like there's no been no documentation of one black cop at least Getting at his coworkers like we do need to be retrained. We do need to be re. So no, it's something. No, it's you know something what I'm saying. They, yeah. they they don't. It's always shut upness. The you know what I'm saying or the nigga with the stripes that don't give a fuck. He already been reset so tough. It's like shit. So yeah, it's gonna be like that. But as a small case, it's like Reggie. You got niggas that that hood that hood life took over and nigga he rather be hood than on that other side. He had fun. But- over there, death row. <laughs> it's not just that. It's white cops too that that feel that way. You know, they they grew up a certain kind of way, but then now, yeah, Mexican police officers, they grew up a certain kind of way. They go to the military. They come home. What jobs do they have available for them? Being police officers, correction. Glad officers. you said Mexicans because they take it a whole another way. They insert their peoples into the system yeah. so they can look out for yeah. their people. But is it wrong though? Hell no. We just don't do that. For we our just own don't people. do it. Uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? But uh-uh. I mean, making it, moves. it ain't nothing wrong with it. If every motherfucking thug nigga that just walk in the street right now today, say he haven't encountered a cop that he ever sat back on the car and conversated with, he is a goddamn lie. Mm-hmm. How do you think they get to know you and, and, and fuck with you like that? Pull out the little they, white card. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, they used to do that all the you time. You know when the white car come out. Yeah. <laughs> they want to get your whole name and everything. Oh, man, your name is well. Gang name and all that yeah. shit. Come on, man. But yeah, Reggie is Reggie is totally is is different, and he's gonna be different when he come home. All right, I'm gonna straighten up and fly right. I'm gonna go through some fact checks from last week. There's only a few here. 
Uh, Reggie actually brought up the name of a Compton police officer that had killed two Samoans. And he said, uh, it's not on my list, remember? Because um, I made a list yeah. addressing your question from two weeks ago. How many how many cops have been charged with murder? So I looked up Al Skiles, and the reason why Al Skiles didn't show up on my list is because he wasn't charged with murder. He was actually charged with voluntary manslaughter on, and, two, on two, two Samoans. And he and he beat well. He got a hung jury, and then they didn't even prosecute him after that. But in 1991, he claimed that two Samoan brothers attacked him. Um, Pauivi Tualua Lele, 34, and his brother Itali, 22, uh, were both shot and killed by Officer Al Skiles of the Compton Police Department. This is before they became the sheriffs, and. Uh, yeah, he killed two Samoans. Do you remember that happening in Compton in '91, James? Mm, I heard about it. And I've uh, heard it, yeah. he, they they charged him. He went to trial and got uh, a hung jury, and that was the end of the case. How did you kill two men, unarmed men, <laughs> unarmed, and get get a manslaughter? Well, they charged him with. They didn't even charge him with murder. Yeah. They just charged him with voluntary manslaughter. Voluntary man. How do you volunteer? Because he said that they, they threatened him. And I guess it becomes his story against the two dead guy wow. stories. Man, I swear to God, that's one thing they need to take from the police. I fear for my life. Yeah. If you fear for your motherfucking life, you need to quit. Yeah, yeah. You, you, if you're you scared of your job, shit. you need to quit. Wow. Um, we also talked about homeboys pushing up on... On other guys, women, and when we mentioned this one woman that actually has babies by two Jackson brothers, <laughs> um, couldn't remember she her name bullshit. last week. Her name is Alejandra Genevieve Oziaza. She's from Colombia. Alejandro Genevieve Oziaza. <laughs> she met she met Randy Jackson in '86. They never married, and she had two kids with Randy. Genevieve and Randy Jr. Okay. But while Randy was out of town one day, Jermaine Came starts dating his brother's girlfriend, and then they secretly get married in 1995. Um, Randy was hot, as you know. I will be <laughs> and um, he ended up having two kids with her, uh, Jeremiah Jackson, born in 96, and Jer Majesty Jackson, born in 2000. So... Um, it's an interesting well, dynamic. Yeah, that, Uncle they, Daddy. They keeping it. Yeah, Uncle <laughs> Daddy is a mass niggas. They keeping that shit real, real, real motherfucker. No, Twenty six hundred Jackson fuck, Street. No, for all of those, he filed his fuck because that was his brother's baby mama. Yeah, something you never touch. If you get out like that, you'll fuck with anything and anybody's chick. But then eventually, um, Jermaine actually married her, and then uh, they got divorced. Uh, well, he, he got married her though. So when he came back from tour, how the fuck was Thanksgiving that year? Oh man, Come I wonder. On. I would he love. He couldn't have been on tour that long, goddamn Randy Jackson. I would like to know singing? what that first conversation between Randy and Jermaine was like. Man. Damn. You want me to change? Yeah. <laughs> man, I leave out of town and you gonna go fuck my bitch? And you get a pregnant? Jermaine, Jermaine, Jermaine. Let me stop cussing. They told me I cussed too much. Uh -oh. So how are we gonna do this? You just take my woman like that? You supposed to be my brother, fool. She's from Columbia. I don't care where she's from. That daddy, was mine. Del Chapo's her uncle. But you take <laughs> get that work. You can have her. F you, F her. I'm going to keep your nose right. Don't but... ever talk to me again. Right. <laughs> Clown. So then Jermaine actually. And Tito just sat there and let it all happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jermaine finds out that um, 
Alejandra Genevieve was actually married, still married to someone else, and was able to get his marriage annulled. Okay. Um, Visa she just came in there. And she came in and fucked everything. Go wiped everybody out. And you know what's funny is now he, she's got she's got four kids by the Jacksons. She's living in the Havenhurst house in the valley, the big Jackson mm-hmm. house. And Mama Jackson actually told her, "You have to leave." <laughs> Before she do though, I would have tested those kids. Yeah, they could have been I'd the gardeners. Anybody's kids, like, man. She already got another husband somewhere. So what else is she doing? No, they I ran, saw pictures of the kids. They, they look. They ran a cold. They look, look just they like Jackson. They ran Jackson's. a cold play. <laughs> she ran a play. Now, what's your view, Cato, on this on this woman that ended up, you know, having kids by brothers? They should have treated her like she was. She came in like the bed horse she should have been. They man. didn't know. They didn't. They didn't know that at the time. See, that's that Jackson well, bullshit. See, Randy met her when she was seventeen, and, and Randy was twenty-four. So was that when he was fucking with Barry Gordy's daughter? No, with, with J- Jermaine was with Barry Gordy's okay, daughter. Okay, but oh, so Jermaine slipped in after "Don't Take It Personal" after his hit ran out. I guess so. Okay. That would have been in uh, yeah, ninety four, ninety five yeah. is when Jermaine yeah. started dating Randy's girlfriend. But by this time, he uh, Jermaine was already divorced from from Hazel Gordy, and he already left another woman named um, Margaret Maldonado. Who he had he had a baby by Hazel Gordy and Margaret Maldonado around the same time, and then uh, Hazel was fed up I with Jermaine. She divorced Jermaine. And then after um, after he left Margaret Maldonado or Margaret left Jermaine, Jermaine started dating Randy's girlfriend. How do you? How do a woman don't want a stuck up man? A woman don't want a man to think he's prettier than she is, and that's what them Jacksons was. They thought they was the prettiest. People on this planet, and they was more stuck. So up wasn't than no they thing went. with the other brothers getting at Jermaine like, "Hey man, you tripping, man?" Hey. Marlon didn't say nothing. Cato, it ain't no fun if the brother can't have hey. some. Twenty six hundred <laughs> Jackson <laughs> Street. That's a lie. <laughs> it's always home. You got to come in thinking like that and, and knowing what you bring into the house to even 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 get out like that. Well, I read a quote from from uh, Genevieve Alejandra Genevieve, um, Genevieve, and she said that Randy the first boyfriend, never really treated her as the one. And when she met Jermaine, who was the older brother, he was more mature, yeah. and he really took he the relationship swag, more serious. Yeah, he had that okay. grown man swag. Yeah. None of that don't matter. If she was a good woman, a woman of standards, she'd have dealt with what she got already and tried to, you say you can't you mold your man to what you want the motherfucker to be. Well, shit, I don't think... It ain't that, hard to tell you, man. Come on, babe. You got to get up and do this. Come on, babe. You got to do that. But you you can't tell a Jackson, though. They, they, they you, well, Like you just said, they weren't looking for no standards. She had the other one. He's more <laughs> mature. He's older. So he's doing his thing. And she was so that accessible. That's still a no-touch zone. Well, unfortunately, uh, Catherine Jackson, the, the matriarch of the family, told her... Uh, you have to leave here with all them grandkids out the house, and they actually had to. It took a while to get her out but the house. Pops, uh, Big Big Joe was taking down like uh, motherfuckers all in housekeepers and shit. So you know they learned they got it from their daddy. Hey, them steel mill workers ain't no joke, man. You, shit. Well, that's from last They're week. It in the family, they want to. They hire from within. Man. Alejandra Genevieve Oziaza is her name. And the last fact check from last week is, um, James, when you was talking about, when you you was telling some amazing Tom Klein stories during the Fernhill record days, yeah. you had mentioned that um, you were staying in Laguna 
with someone named Biggie. With Biggie. Baby Just explain Biggie. who Biggie is. It's not Biggie Smalls. It's not Christopher Wallace. Not at all. Baby Biggie is the little homie. And and me and him was doing the Fern Hill thing. We had the house with the pool. And Baby Biggie was one of the guys that occupied the house with us. Not no Biggie Smalls, none of that. No. So oh. it was Baby Biggie. All right. All right, so... Let's get one of the questions from um, this guy named Chuck MCMXC on Instagram is related to Reggie, who we were just talking about. So let's go ahead and ask this question. <laughs> why Why does Reggie Wright hate black people so much? He always <laughs> thinks we are guilty and up to no good and quick to make excuses for everyone else, especially the police. Now, I know I've known Reggie for a while. Mm-hmm. I know he don't hate black people. But I can understand this guy's question, this brother's question. Um, James, help help this brother understand Reggie. Chuck, every I mean, listening to Reggie, Reggie is totally different from how we think. Coming from a police mentality, arresting you know men of color, and and dealing with the attitudes and all of that. Reggie is totally different. He don't hate black people. He's black. He would have to hate his mama. Well, you could have self-hate. There are people. There are black folks that don't like black people, no, right? I, I mean, once you live up under uh, that that certain code he was on, mm-hmm. you know, wearing the blue and doing his thing. Reggie' mindset was, you know, what we do is is criminal shit. You know what I'm saying? But you know, slowly but surely, Reggie shit is catching up. Has caught up with him on, you know. The things we do, how we get down, it actually letting him see you. You a regular motherfucker, just like us, a regular person. You know what I'm saying? But Reggie just had a lot of shit, a lot of things that he had to clear off his chest, and 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 be able to sit right here and just call it for what it is. But Reggie don't see it like that. Reggie mm-hmm. see from a police perspective. Mm-hmm. So. If, if if you can understand my perspective, you got to understand his because of where he come from, you know, his background. But like Reggie said many, many times, you know, I ain't been in police in over 20 years. So he still don't think like us. Yeah. So, I mean, only to answer that question, Reggie don't hate black people. His His way of thinking is totally different. I think he think that that certain things should be better with with us, or it's not gonna get better with us. So Reggie is like Rocky, but I know him. I know him real good, and I know he is. It's not about color; it's about what we do and how we get down. Now Reggie is in a position where he's seeing us in him laying on that bunk at nine thirty, eleven o'clock, night time. Coming in the, in the inside, you got to come in at nine. Mm-hmm. Reggie getting what we got. Now they understand it. So you, Boy, you'll listen. see a different Reggie, uh, Chuck. You'll see a different Reggie. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck on Instagram. Now I noticed when we talk about gang truces, because there's a lot of gang truces being talked about in Los Angeles right now. Reggie is completely pessimistic about any sort of trucing and discussions that take place with gang neighborhoods. And I hate that, man. And I hate that because if, if me personally, I say I'm done with that. That's not, and, and I hear other motherfuckers say, how do you denounce your, 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 your hood? 
I'm not denouncing nothing. I'm 55. I'm 55 years old. I, I, I'm I'm not a teenager. I'm not finna live the gang banging life, and I'm not finna do that. And and there's a lot of men out there in the same position. So you're not gonna see me say, I'm I'm living this life. I turned over this, but I'm still throwing up a pee or saying how you doing, blood or whatever. Ain't nobody heard me come that way or say that. Mm-hmm. So. Come on, man, you got to help me with, with, with that one because he just doesn't have any belief in, in this type of conversation. And I, I want to ask Cato because, Cato, you know firsthand about neighborhoods that can be enemies and then somehow figure it out and become allies again. And I'm specifically, yeah. I'm talking about the, the 40s and the 30s. Yeah. They had a 10-year war yeah. from, I think, 96 to 96 2006. To 2006. Can you talk about a, that a little bit and how real that was? That-, that was very real because, like, you know, we was all friends, you know what I'm saying, grew up together, like, from Normandy King Elementary, from Manuel to Crenshaw, you know, even homies at Dorsey, where the motherfuckers choose to know that. Crenshaw had a different rule set, but you get what I'm saying, and... At the same time, our hood was the flagship for the 40s. You know what I'm saying? Our homies and they homies, because at one time it was Harlem 30s and 40s. You know what I'm saying? Before the neighborhood came into play and separated a lot of things after, you know, a trade in 60s, chopped up the Crip car so tough. So our beef was more like fucked up for me. I went to Audubon, Crenshaw. I'm looking at my niggas I went to junior high school with, but in high school it was fucked them niggas. But in the back of your mind, it's like, damn, you go home and you go with their sister. You yeah. only got a baby by, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's happened in a lot of um, other hoods that had problems and, and squashed it. You know what I'm saying? But ours was more intimate because we really actually grew up with them niggas. Them, them really, you know, from Fauché, you know what I'm saying? And um, when Tookie died, I, you know what I'm saying? Older heads decided from my neighborhood, you know, we ain't finna be smashing on other keyways no more. We don't handle, you know what I'm saying? And so in December of 2005, that's when um, Tookie was executed. That inspired conversations between the 30s and the 40s to come to a peace understanding? That was, that, that, that's when it happened. That's when it was official, you know what I'm saying, to where like, you know what I'm saying, homies that had personal beef with them, y'all got, they had a, a forum to settle that. But no man, well, one person is bigger than the hood. So if the hood is standing, that's what it is. If you're from this hood, that's what it is, whether you like it or not, period. And, you and don't have to go have barbecues and hang out with a motherfucker. But this rule set is, is, the, is, is what it is because, you know, my hood is particularly ran from the inside out, not the outside in. So it's what it's protocol. It's what it is. That's what they say. That's what's going to happen. And and it's been good ever since, Um 2006 and been as far as our our dealings with them yeah the dealings they got with other niggas that used to be allies with them i know that's <laughs> a change of the guard on a whole nother level and that just goes to show you that a lot of the guidance is gone and this new generation don't remember old beefs you know and then you got this new epidemic of fuck a big homie fuck a nigga they ain't taught me shit because they start following the niggas who got bread now. You ain't got to have cachet or seniority. Because, like I said, it got to the point it was damn near turned into wrestling or picking a rap group, being from a hood. Because a lot of most niggas that's active from niggas' hood didn't actually grow up in the motherfuckers. Exactly. They mamas been shipped them off, and they came back to purposely. Yeah. But I'm going to leave that alone. But y'all niggas know I call what I'm them saying. commuter gang members. They, well, they, you're so <laughs> right, because you got a lot of cats coming 
you can't start a gang career in 2009, 2007. You can't be a, 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 a full-fledged gang member in 2010. Not even in 2000. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're damn near too late. You know what I'm saying? And if you're 30, 28, and starting a gangbang, you are too late to gangbang. And, and they and they influenced by music more than actual things happening or distress in the hood. Or I ain't going to say no names. But I was like, you a gangbanger? And the reason why I said that to this person is because they had red and burgundy hair. You had a pair of pants on that had 30 zippers. I I didn't grow up like that. You 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 have to identify, and you do not identify by wearing a pair of them tight goddamn ankle jeans and whatever. Because you had shit. a lot of people from our generation, parents, single mothers that broke their neck to get their child out of that situation. But the praising of the whole culture and how fly it got through the media, they went back down just to. That's what they perceived their president for keeping it real was when, you know, smart is really the new gangster now, so a lot of niggas done missed the boat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can't downsize, downsize the parents. No, no, but I'm saying what I'm saying is opportunity was given that we didn't have that was, you know, because we from an era where you from the hood, you from the hood. Wasn't no, like on TV, put me on, chief. That's some fictional shit that a lot of motherfuckers think the shit was um, rooted from and it wasn't this was your community this was your area this was your hood you and you didn't have to you couldn't pick you know some niggas might have on a weekend they hang in Inglewood at their auntie house then you grew up with the nigga your whole life and when you get to high school damn you a blood damn I've been knowing you all my whole life well you know every summer you always go to his daddy's yeah every summer you go to grandma's mama got her first little apartment it was over there in the but this is still my nigga. Well, if, if you gotta so, go on vacation every motherfucking it was every, that, it, every it beca- summer, then you really ain't. The, the motherfucking the, the, the atmosphere changed, and yeah, so really I think when technology came and like I always use that example of you can email a hood a motherfucking fist fight and they gonna email you a name back. That's how they do this shit now. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different now. Welcome to Five Hundred Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Well, Reggie, if you're out there listening, you know, the 30s and the 40s used to have a rivalry. Well, they were allies and they became rivals, and now they're allies again. And it's been, what, 13 years now, since 2006? And we're in 2019? I mean, it it, it happens. That there's going to be a change, yeah. like with this truth that that's going on in L.A. right now. There's going to be a change, whether he like it as a black man or not. Being a black man, I think everybody should jump on that board. Jump, jump on it. Let's all talk positive about mm-hmm. what's going on, opposed to trying to knock this truth down before he even get off his foot. That's that, our problem. That's that. That was crazy. You said that because like when uh, Nipsey died and. Everybody talked about, I call it the Day of Atonement. People just wanted to that day just say, hey, look, we want to represent this energy. It wasn't a gang truce. It wasn't niggas saying we're going to get along. It was niggas saying we're going to open the dialogue. But then you had other hoods like, this hood don't make no decision for us. This hood don't, such and such can't say we're going to meet up with Wudu. So it's a lot of different heads got to sit at that particular gang table. And then you got the other niggas that sit at that table that's doing it for the bread you know what I'm saying? And then other niggas ain't seeing this shit. Ain't nothing really happening. So it'd be like flavor of the month type shit going on. Then you got young niggas younger than me that don't know what the fuck just happened. But they know that it was just some shooting last week. It was a shooting last night. Nothing really stopped. You know, so it take more heads than just niggas that won't change at the table. You need the grind balls at the table, too. Well, you need everybody got to you know understand what I'm saying? that there's going to be shooters. They're they don't ever want to talk to the dirtbag grind ball niggas. They always want to talk to some guy that they feel... Talk to them niggas in the trenches. Start it's getting true, at true. them. Start getting at the youngsters before they getting that niggas kind of older than us. But the only way you can get us. to the bottom of it is, is, is form a crew to get rid of the ones that don't want to listen. <laughs> that's, that's the police only ourselves. way you're going to do that. Police. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that, that we do, not the police. I'm, no, talking, I'm, I'm talking about yeah, us police policing ourselves, ourselves with but, our rhetoric of discipline. And then, you, then you're good. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll be now that's the dialogue that needs to be if, opened up. If you get some cats that want to go and, and fuck off the truce that... that that the uh, East Coast guys got with the, the Mexicans. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, that's yeah, something yeah. that was due. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was and, crazy. And, that's and, big. And Never thought that would... If you if you ever lived, been over there, man, that is, is, is just a circle. Yeah. 
They got to live with each other. But, you know, people don't understand, man. It's time. We got to stop living like that. And if we can stop living like that, killing each other, then our kids and their kids going to be all right. But we got to bring something to it. Fuck conversation. And a lot of these kids is dying to want to get down with each other and hang out and fuck around. But, you know, they motherfucking following suit. Yeah, yeah. But you bring something different to the table. And, and you know, <clears throat> it's a cold thing because I said there's a lot of black men out there with money. Mm-hmm. They got money. That if, if, if you put them all together, you ain't spending a million dollars. No. You know what I'm saying? You're spending, I mean, I ain't going to even get into the numbers, but it ain't, it, it ain't going to take a million dollars from each one of you. It ain't going to take $500,000, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to, to, to get a building, a building big enough, a building, building big enough, and, and a couple of buses to pick up and take to school exactly. and teach. But we ain't going to do that. But I guarantee you, we get mad at the Mexicans. And I'm going yeah. to point blank put it out there. We get mad at the Mexicans. Yeah. They driving trucks. Oh, they living in that house. 13 deep. Deep. But you living in a five-bedroom house by yourself and struggling. struggling. Who's smarter? They, Who's smarter? They working smarter, not harder. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> shit. We harder need to, and smarter. We need to smarter get us some booths and start selling tacos. And, Everything. And, 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 and get our money. They even, they even selling the soul that. food now. Shit. Yeah, we used to pick watermelons. Why we can't sell them? Come on, man. Go get them yellow watermelon man, off Normandy on a nigga slices. I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. I'm not trying to be, <laughs> no, what you call them, and I damn sure ain't trying to be funny. But look at how we live opposed to everybody else. And then let's stop hating on how they living and start living similar to that. Or let's figure out a way how to live together and opposed to... My sisters got two kids. Got a daughter live with her, and she in a four bedroom. My other sister got a four bedroom. Mm-hmm. Her and her husband and and his daughter. Nobody else. <laughs> Pete, you got three cousins on the damn street. That's on them. They're not coming in my house. Why? That's the first thing, motherfucker. If you got a job, you mm-hmm. gonna pay. Whoop the whoop whoop for this room. You got you got a year. You got eight months. You know what I'm saying? And that's how they doing it. And then they able to move out and get their own shit. And then now everything is good at this house. Bigger and better too. You know what I'm saying? I can pay a car note. I can do this and that. Two people paying fifteen hundred a month. We can handle that. We can handle that. Yeah, they don't never know what it's taking that mentality take for them. They ain't doing that. Instead of instead of me trying to bring you up, you see me stepping on your toes. You can't climb the ladder if I'm stepping on your toes. Now that be a and we gotta change that. That be a reflection how a motherfucker feel about themselves when you wanna breathe that much motherfucking crab in the bucket mentality. It, it you know, excuse my language for the homies, but, you know, we're talking real right now. It's a cold thing. You know, you got a lot of cats out there that get mad over this and get mad over that. But if we keep it 100, how the hood is, how we got some cats don't don't look at the hood like we look at the hood or bang like we bang. Feel me? You got a lot of cats that sit there and, and, and just watching who making and pushing the most. 
I'm finna go. I'm finna go to DeWardy and I'm finna rob this nigga. Yeah. And if I gotta kill this nigga, I'm gonna kill this nigga. And I'm saying each and every last one of us. I ain't saying bam. I'm including myself with mm-hmm. this, fellas. Mm-hmm. Think like that at one point of time. We think like that. Yeah. We gotta stop thinking like that. Well, you still got the younger generation that kind of thinks like that. Yeah. You know, and we, we got the challenge of. I, I have no problem with talking to people that are 35 and over. We could bring them to the table easily from any neighborhood, from any set. But when I'm in these meetings, you can count on one hand how many people there are under 25 years old. And those are the ones, that's the thinking you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. You know? But I, I said this months and months ago. I, I see people doing these water challenges, this ice challenge, and all of this. And I said this on the show, and we overlooked it. What if each black man over 35 that got a kid, any black man that got a kid, video that kid, teaching that kid, video yourself teaching this kid, and and put it to the show. And and, and we bring something back for this. Mm -hmm. One black man, every black man teach one child. It could be your cousin. It could be your nephew. It could be your little brother. What well, we teaching them, like? Teaching them what a black man's supposed you know to be. No, I'm saying if it's going to be a, a quick video, we got to, what's going to be, we going to be reading with them, we playing them, court, we, what we, you to, bringing, oh, we talking what you, to them. What you bringing to okay, them Okay, okay, okay. Why are you telling them? Somebody what, might spark and do it. That's why I want to get saying, specific with it. I'm just saying, we have to yeah. stop. Yeah. And, 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 and what, what is, how important it is to be a black man, especially now. Yeah. However the video go, but you teaching this youngster that, 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 Living this way and this way is a big difference. Is a big difference. You know what I'm saying? You could be stepdad. You got yeah. a lot of stepdaddies out there, better fathers than the real fathers. Come on, man, get, get, for we real. We got to step real. up and be fathers to our kids if 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 we want it or uh, got a chance. I'm trying with my nephews right now, man, and and it's rough. It's rough. Mm. So just think, you know. My sons. I don't want my sons to fall victim. So, that's what, what you doing today, man? Right? Well, you know, that ain't cool, driving your car like that and then getting, you know, conversation. Yeah. yeah. It ain't all about money. No. It ain't all about money. It's spending time, man. It's spending time. Quality time is more precious than anything. Teaching them. That's what I'm talking about. Each one teach one. Exactly. Also, if, if I, you said something earlier, Cato, that a lot of people are like, F the OGs. I just want to say, if if you have a, if you're from a neighborhood where the OGs don't have no influence, then your neighborhood is is in turmoil because well, really, a, 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 a neighborhood that has structure listens to the big homies, and if you ain't listening to the big homies, you ain't listening to those guys that have wisdom that already been on the penitentiary yards for over ten years, then your neighborhood is in turmoil. You know, you guys aren't welcome to the table if you if you're in a neighborhood where you don't listen to the big homies. A lot of the youngsters start just listening to who got the money. Well, a lot of the big you homies don't have it like that because they done did all this penitentiary time, and 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 it, just the kids don't have to be taught the big homies too a trade to get a job. But the big homies is at a standpoint because I'm not finna go back to prison. For beating your ass or killing, <laughs> I might yeah. have to kill you because some cats ain't yeah. ain't never they ain't took take, a, they ain't a taking whooping. a little chicken shit hell. So yeah. they gonna you know try to get you on a low. You know what I'm saying? So 
Why should I put myself in a situation where I might have to kill this youngster? But every neighborhood has at least multiple <laughs> big homies. You know, they got to come together if they have those issues because it's just like respecting our elders. It's toned down. It's so we, toned down now. We raised yeah. to respect our elders, and even in the streets, you raised to respect the guy that came before you. And then the majority of the big homies got families. I ain't going to wreck my family. Man, I'm going to the house, man. My daughter got her. My son got her. That's who I'm going. Yeah. And then little niggas is left, you know, left out there in the dirt. But, I mean, everybody got to find some type of way to approach that situation because as long as you have knuckleheads your you, you, your solutions you can come up with a million as long as you got knuckleheads they're going to intervene because they look at it like okay you don't went home to your house and your family but I'm out here on the bricks and them niggas just came too last night and we just did this so y'all can't come in the morning time and we've been out all night telling us this and that when you know that you know it, it, it's, it's, it's an epidemic went on through a well, I'm talking about Los Angeles. Everybody had to Everybody hood Everybody went through a, a, a metamorphosis. That's why you got all these new beefs and these allied beefs and these, you know, because of niggas not knowing the hood history. If you're not getting washed up, you no. ain't got killed. Yeah. And they should be tired. We should be tired of that. All right. Let's, um, we got to talk about this interview that's went viral on the internet. It's one of the most discussed interviews right now. Uh, it's well over a couple million views. It was posted by a channel called Valuetainment, yeah. and it is an interview of Sammy the Bull Gravano. And for those who don't know who Sammy the Bull Gravano is, for you youngsters, is he was the underboss of the Gambino crime family in New York, one of the five families that pretty much run the streets in New York. And in uh, 1991, he became state's evidence and testified against his boss, John Gotti, now, everybody should know these names because there's so many rappers that are either Gambino, oh, Childish Gambino, yeah. and even Corrupt uses the name Young Gotti. So you guys know these names. Uh, Sammy the Bull was the underboss for John Gotti, but he eventually informed on John Gotti, informed on the entire Gambino crime family, and even informed on members um, that were in other families. Uh, I think he informed on a couple guys that were in the Genovese family. And this guy ended up getting a five-year deal, one of the sweetest deals ever in the history of the American justice system because he admitted to doing 19, 19. murders. He admitted to more murders than your serial killer. In fact, you can say Sammy the Bull is a serial killer, but the federal government gave him a sweet deal, let him return back to the streets after five years, which would have been in 97. I think he got out in 97, and then he became an ecstasy drug distributor out of Arizona and uh he ended up they catching got him 20. they, they caught, he caught another case he did 17 on that and he got out a couple years ago gave this incredible interview and um he's the biggest informant in American history I listened to the video and and damn man the man is like keeping it 100 and and, and you got to listen to him you know, all them other guys he was speaking on, those guys was, was talking to him or, or coming at him in a in a bad kind of way. Yeah. So he was like, damn, what you want me to be? A, I, I, I'm not stupid. He explained how he was in school and a lot of people thought Dyslexic he was... Dyslexic and stuff, yeah. yeah. Thought he was like just a dummy. Yeah. But, man, the dude did all kind of things. Uh, his situation, does it make it right? I mean, only only he can say that. 
I believe, because with 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 the way he described how um damn, what is what's John Gotti? John Gotti got in him to tell him we want you to be the bad guy in here. They're gonna come at you and make you look like the monster. So I want you to go in here and say you a monster. Agree with it. <laughs> and I'm gonna go home and you gonna go on and do that time. Come on, man. What man stands that tall? There's not a man on this planet that stands that tall. I don't care what 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 family you're in, but other than that, man, I, I I see a lot of. I mean, we really didn't have enough time to just listen to that and then just really go into it. So, me personally, I can't speak on the dude on on his situation. But mm. it was an interesting story, man. Yeah, it was. Kato, what you got to say about it? I sat through it, you know what I'm saying, checked it out, and I was like, I tripped off like you tripped off them five motherfucking years. For the, and I kept having it. I said, well, damn. And he's like, well, you know, I said 22 years in prison. I did 17 here. Do, do, do. Now I'm bigger than ever. I'm wounded them with the mob. They don't kill you. You just don't have your friends no more. I'm, I'm like, this shit ain't nothing like they say in the movies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But on some real shit. Um. I'm 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 with my man right here. Like, who stands that tall? Who you gonna say? Hey, I'm about to go home. Run all this time. I'm gonna throw wet forty on your bucks. You are gonna be a hero. The family's gonna love you. We out. Yeah. Hold up, homie. Hold up, player. I'm gonna run for what I ran with. But what about what you was running with? But I'm gonna kill and, that, and that's a and that's the, and that's the nigga who get his hands dirty. On a lower level, that's the classic case of what the fucking shit is going on yeah. now. But now they get not now they getting a little compensation for the information, so it's a little easier. But a lot of the case that they built was, you know, John Gotti used to run his mouth a lot, so they put they put substantial. No, they they used to put wiretaps in like different places they used to talk, so they got him on vi- audio talking shit. Yeah, you know, but none of it was not to the police. To, no, no, no. I'm talking about was any of the shit. About Sammy, though. Yeah, he used to talk yeah. down on Sammy. Yeah. Mm. He used to talk. So he got a hold of them tapes. So, so the the, the feds played them tapes also to Sammy and say, "Look, this is what your boss thinks of you," and he's listening to it. This is before he decided to rat. And initially, he just said, "I don't want to hear none of that." But then eventually, the feds was able to just to yeah, it got to got him. To him. <laughs> Come on, man, it's a Anybody. human being. But I mean, you know, he the gonna guy break was a killer. eventually. And then out of nineteen, how many you, how many of them that you did? How many times you pulled the trigger out of 19? That ain't important. That ain't important. This <laughs> we, I had something no, at it. But this is what yeah. was consistent. If you and you go on a drive-by with me, you, you we all run. That yeah, murder is yeah, that's, every, that's yeah. everybody's shit. We, we, the same rules, but the way they lived compared to us is totally different. Mm-hmm. They made money. That's all it's about. It's all about money. Exactly. What about nothing yeah. else? But he can honestly say... He was a gangster, and he was a uh, uh, what do you call him? A racketeer, a, racketeer. a businessman, a, a businessman. Yeah. By me being a gangster, I'm I'm one hundred with it, but I'm still making that I'm, I'm making money on the same time. And it's that's the way it really He's is out money. here in the streets. You you yeah, know, there's exactly. there's that guy that can bang. He he bangs, but then there's that other guy he that can, can hustle. Fin- that can finesse it. You yeah. know, but every once in a while, you find that guy that can do that both, one. right? Mm-hmm. Do both. But that's hard. Cause you usually, when you're growing up, you got to pick one. What you want to do? You want to make really, money or gang bang? Cause you got gangsters out there started off, yay high, just selling marijuana and still got money. 
you know, that's with the business. Don't need to call the homies to come and go bam. You know what I'm saying? You got guys out there like that. But the way he explained it is, is all of this is ours. Mm-hmm. We all caught this case. Yeah. It ain't just mine. So 19 might be only four of them. It's him by hand. So, I mean. But you could actually look those 19 murders up um, piece by piece. Because he eventually had to tell the feds everything. He didn't want to talk about it in the interview. Yeah. But yeah. you could look it up. Yeah, and then he wants um, to read that of book. Of each one, uh, what his role was in all those 19 murders. Uh, the ones early in his career he pulled the trigger on. His first murder was 1970. Yeah. Uh, the last ones were in the late 80s. Uh, he was part of the hit against Paul Castellano when mm-hmm. they uh, killed the the boss, the then boss of the family. So yeah, I, ain't, I ain't know nothing. I don't, <laughs> I don't even get it that deep into it. Yeah. Because we don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like 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 you saying that video. We still on the outside looking in. Yeah. Then Those you know. dudes live their life totally different, and more people were killed for senseless shit than than our shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But a lot of times they would whack somebody because of a, a rumor or a belief, like the same way, you know. Messing oh, with we, they woman and like looking at Like you tried to uh, mess with the wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The wife went back and just, just fucking lied. Yeah. But, I mean, man, they rules are, or they have rules. We don't. Now, one of the things we that really that, that stood out to me in the interview is he said that today's Cosa Nostra mafia is less violent. There's less murders because... There's too much FBI investigations of all of these guys. Not no more. Now there's all the way down to two and three. Yeah, so... Yeah. And that's the way the streets got to get. We, you don't need a whole lot of senseless violence if you're out in the streets trying to make money, hustle, do whatever you're trying to do. See, the only thing I can say about that is money talks. They still conducting business such as they did. All these murders with the FBI up they wrecked them deep. 13, 15 on each family. You know how many FBI agents that is to go bam to look into this shit? They crossing notes and everything else. Yeah. How many of those FBI agents were getting paid to turn their head? To turn their head, to, to lose the they paperwork. They were still making their money. I, mean, I you can't see find the, the file. I'll bring it to you tomorrow. They in mansions. Mm-hmm. They not living like we living. And then they game is corporate now. Come on, they, man. They, they, they got companies now, not the little bodega on the corner no more. They got you know, they, Swiss they actually you know did it. They got real shit going on. They ain't, they, ain't, they, ain't, they ain't just a motherfucking store down the street and a restaurant, and we shaking them down. They shaking down corporate million-dollar companies now well, on some it, other shit. They actually did indict an FBI agent that helped uh, guys on, in the mafia— commit murders. Uh, he took one for the team. Robert Connolly, he ended up getting a life sentence. He was, <laughs> he was an FBI agent out of Boston. I believe his name is Robert Connolly. We'll double check that. Um, the Money town, talks. huh? Money talks, man. The town. The huh? town. You know, you know, the boss to the town, <laughs> yeah. man. Uh, what's, what's your... I want to know what you guys feel about the FBI, the federal government, allowing a guy like Sammy the Bull Gravano, who admitted to 19 murders, to be free again. Because in, in, in our world... You'll never see the face of freedom again. No. But and, and that's the difference. They don't care. Look how many people. They don't people, live in our world. If, if, if <laughs> I would let you go, if you can give me 14 of you, I'd rather get the 14 of you and you going about your business. It don't, it, I mean, that's just how the police work. They hustle man years. The police know you killed. That's not doing their job letting the murderer go. 
if if you tell on him, because he the one we want, I will let you go or you will do lesser time and do a year and go about your business. Ain't what you know is what we can prove. Is we that don't, fair we to don't me? care if is we know you did you? it. Is we can prove them 14, though. Every, is that fair to all the guys that sitting on death row with life? No, that's that's. I think the government is so dirty for allowing Sammy the Bull out after five years. They want more Sammys. And then what did Sammy do after he... to get that sweet deal. After he did those five years, what did he end up doing after that, Cato? When he got out? He ended up doing some more time. He went, no, he, he moved to Arizona. Oh, when he uh, got and that, he that, got that his pill crack. Yeah, he got yeah, yeah. Live too. yeah I, li- so, I lived in Arizona during yeah. that time in 96, 97. <clears throat> and I, that was around the time, you know, music and shit, so... That particular item that he had was hot on the entertainment market. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that shit flooded after everything broke loose, though, and that's when it hit South Central real cold with no $5 either. <laughs> Forty fifty dollars for that shit. And you're talking you about know? you're talking about the uh, was it was an ecstasy the ecstasy, you know ecstasy pills that, 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 that Sammy the Bull slid down was distributing. So cold, I mean, he's know? still a gangster. We so he became on, the biggest. He became the biggest ecstasy distributor after the feds let him out after Ain't doing five years. That? We're going to do you a solid. So basically the federal government became part of uh, drug dealing. Like they're doing with the weed. He beat the system. He got out and did him. <laughs> I mean, I'm a natural thug. So I'm All go, y'all get me on is this, right? Because I got something else I need to do. Oh, yeah, God, but look at it now, that. though. That ain't our he, case he's doing good now. He got Super books. Good. A book podcast. deal. He got a podcast. Now he's living straight. Yeah, after twenty three years in prison. But damn, I mean, he can change. Yeah, he can change. Now, did you hear the part about the Don King story, where uh, they were trying to get into boxing, and John Gotti told Sammy, um, "Well, tell Don King to do this deal so we can get some boxing going." Oh, trying to the boy trained by. Uh... Freddie Roach and all that. Um, not necessarily training, but trying to get a deal. What they wanted to do is bring this Italian fighter from Italy who was undefeated mm. to fight Mike Tyson. And he was going to come fight Ray Mercer. And then after he beat Ray Mercer, he was going to fight Mike Tyson for a big purse. So John Gotti told Sammy, you know, go talk to Don King about it. So Sammy sends this other dude from the family to go talk about it. And Don King says, no, nah, I don't want nothing to do with that. So the guy tells Sammy he said no. So Sammy tells John. Don King said no. Mm-hmm. So John Gotti said, kill Don King then. So he ordered a hit on Don King for Sammy to to um, to fill. So Sammy sends the guy to go kill Don King, and the dude ended up running off. He said, no, nah, I'm not killing Don King, and he disappeared. So he told this whole crazy story about John Gotti wanting Don King killed. Well, that's probably true, but Don King had power too. Well, yeah, the, he, I'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, that's King what he said. Power. He said that um, he said Don King said, look, he's, he's from Cleveland. He knows people. He did time. He don't want to do the deal. He's telling John Gotti, he don't want to do the deal. You can't make this man do the deal if you don't want to do the deal. And John said, you know what? If you don't want to do the deal, kill him. That's all. That, John didn't want to hear nothing about he did time before and he's connected to the Chicago, right. yeah. to the Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. He just said, kill him. And right. that was the way John Gotti was, you know. So I thought that was a crazy story. Don still standing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy story about, uh, about, um, Don King almost getting killed by the Gambino crime family. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, he told a crazy Teddy Atlas story, another boxing story. Oh, here's this is funny. 
He told a story about converting to a native. He converted to a Native American religion (laughs) so he could smoke. I guess they banned cigarettes in the feds at this time. Mm -hmm. So the only people that were allowed to smoke were people that had religious and spiritual reasons. So Sammy the Bull converts to the Native American religion so he can smoke for those five years. Man, he just slipped through the cracks on every level, huh? I don't blame him, but I mean, everything, the police take, what they take from you, you find a way to get it back. That's just jailhouse living. All right, so um, we got another question here. This is for you, James. We actually talked about this on a previous episode, but this is from Mizan Thelotho on Instagram. What was the story behind the bounty hunters having Suge surrounded at, in the Nicholson Garden housing projects during the OFTB video shoot? I think that that was the video for Kraken. Yeah. 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 Well, only only he wasn't surrounded. It was two people that came to get that shit. Um and one of those guys is no longer is deceased. Yep. Yeah. 100. Um Suge had dealings with a little bit of everybody, but these two particular cats were you know, like really on their shit. And uh we were standing there, me and the homie Walt was standing there when they approached him. And and we weren't going to let it go down at first because they wanted to go in our bathroom and holler. So Shug was like, looking like, what should I do? You ain't going in there. And I got at the homie and was like, come on, man, y'all ain't finna do him like that in here. And uh, he was like, no, no, homie, it's woo-woo, but we got to holler at him. You already know the deal. So I already knew what was happening. And Shug looked at me. I looked at Walt. He looked at them. He said, I'm good, I'm good. Just wait right here. He went in there. They had they talk, did their thing, and came out. And after that, we we uh, left the video shoot. Was it a little bit of bullying going on with the two dudes from Bounty Hunter? Uh, somewhat, yeah. They, yeah, that, that's, that's, that was their intent. Yeah. But there was no no hands was put on Suge that day, or no, was there? not at all. No, okay. no, 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 no. Even though... Uh, at that time, no. And 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 those guys was like 100 with me. I've been knowing uh, uh, what's the name for a long time. I don't think we could have let that happen. And this is before uh, Reggie Wright had right-way security. This is pre-Reggie. Uh, yeah, this, this is pre-right-way yeah. security. No, it this was is like us. 93 or something. Yeah. It, hey, man, let me tell you. They had 12-year-olds, little, little youngsters. All of them had a strap. <laughs> they, <laughs> they was ready. You, you don't want to go in the project. Now, how deep were the pyrus um, during that vi- video shoot? Because uh, you look at the video. Not deep enough. <laughs> yeah, not deep enough. There was about 100 bounty hunters in that video. <laughs> it, it was a little more than that there. But we we, we, we was we was pretty deep. And, and you know, it's just sad to say, you know, going to different blood neighborhoods, where you from, you, you were blood. We associate. We're supposed to. But the tension that was there because of his dealings, Suge dealings with them, and what, what their purpose was, kind of like mm. put tension on, put, put, on, put on, little, on the yeah. road. So every, we all knew that, what was going on. This ain't the first time this happened. So we already knew the situation. But once they talked, just being uncomfortable, one of the homeboys was drinking a 40. And one of these little cats came, little, little Barney Hunter dude came up and said, can I hit that blood? And he let him hit it. And 
He just turned around and walked away with the damn beer, <laughs> with with the forty, right? So I'm like, nigga, go get your forty back. No, he can have that motherfucker. They were they were strapped and ready. Yeah, which we were too. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people would have got hurt if that would have went bad that day. But it turned out good. And uh, as the sure conversation, he handled his business with them. Um, that's all I gotta say. And, and all that was was just a push for. Getting uh, another check, I guess. Uh, it was more no, 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 no. It, it was it was more to it than that, but but I mean that's something which come. But um, Suge had his hands in a lot of things that wasn't always music. What exactly? And, and and things that he should have took care of. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But other than that. I mean, he had to back up with their wedding. If he didn't want to go in that bathroom, that's where everything would have started. And if he'd have said, "No, I ain't going in no bathroom with y'all," that's where we'd have, we'd have, it would have been on right then and there. All right, Cato, uh, you on Smoke a Lot Radio, but you just started uh, the wrong thing. Yeah, tapping tap with Cato, tap tapping in with Cato. Uh, you didn't really get to talk about that. Uh, talk about that. How'd that come about? Uh, Yuck gave me action at a, a digital soap box. Good looking. You know what I'm saying? They gave me action at my own uh, my own platform to push my line my way. So, you know, I just cho- chose tapping in with Kato because I tap into different things from the political side, music side, street side. I kind of kind of like the MTV feel. I come to you. You know what I'm saying? I got the Eastwood episode up there. We premiered a Nipsey Hussle masterpiece song on there which ain't dropped yet, that's dropping on his new project, Problem Child. And I also interviewed uh, Mayor-elect from Pasadena, Major Williams, um, just to show my range in his podcast game and how I could sit down and talk to somebody from the locs of the dogs of the street to a political person, you know, and I'm um, just showing us different shit to tap in other than dancing, catching the ball, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, you know, coming from Rep Your Set, DBD, C-Banging, so a lot of niggas know me from that. And they can see my growth on a whole nother level. So tapping in is me just showing my range on this podcast game. Let them know, uh, pay close attention and take me serious. Because everything ain't pooping and giggling on this one. But we having fun too. But it's just, you know, it's my time to run one. Now you have a song on that uh, Rep Yo set. When did that come out? Like That came out in 06. 06 under uh, Reptable Records and Universal dropped it. It had all of, uh, it's a double CD with a lot of Domos and Crips on there from Compton, Los Angeles. We the only West Side gang, really. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, we, me and my boy Jackie Boy and Baby Bo rocked that shit. Laid the hook down, and uh, Big Chuck and them produced the whole <laughs> album. So it came out, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking to see it on Netflix or something in a minute, how, how, how media's going now, so I can give me a check, BT. Somebody need to play it, but it's a lot of niggas... That was really reputable from their neighborhood made music, but the whole one rule was you couldn't diss. So it wasn't like when Banging on Wax or when my homies made True Blue where you dissed. Yeah, you just a lot you of had to represent, but you couldn't diss another hood. And that's the way it should you know be, actually. When, and, you, uh, when you rap, when you're from a neighborhood, ain't no need to diss. When I do my interviews for Street TV, I always get somebody, you know, they, they start to fall back into their element and they start saying, um, yeah, them crabs or see, them slaw. I, I say cut. It's a trip. Can you about, say that without dissing, please? It's a, it's a trip about this project because when this project came out, it came out 
on a national basis and it put a lot of targets on niggas' backs because there wasn't no social media like that before this shit dropped. Most of the niggas on these albums is dead. You know what I'm saying? I know when that album dropped, a couple of niggas from Kelly Park got killed. Even the did you talking about the niggas, Rep Your Set or the Banging yeah, couple, On Wax? No, Rep Your I, I was yeah. younger for Banging On Wax. Yeah. Rep Your Set and a couple of niggas got violated. P.O.'s looking at the motherfucking DVD. They see niggas with choppers and, and then niggas like, oh, whoop-dee-woo. Yeah, some niggas switched hoods. It was a lot went down. And at that time when that album dropped, I was pursuing my music on the regular shit. So I'm I'm known now. You know what I'm saying? Before, you know, like I said, everybody knew Easy B was from Compton, but you didn't hear none of this. I mean, from <laughs> Kelly Park, you didn't hear his music. So, so, so how do your homies look at you? I mean, is well, it was crazy because I got asked to do the song a couple of times. I said no, because I didn't want to make no song like that because I knew what was coming with it. Because I already was gigging in the early in the '90s, so I knew to play. But I had another homie. I ain't gonna say his name, but he he got at me. He was like, "Look, man, just use this platform to blow your own shit up." But at the same time, we want this shit right. We want a real homie, real homies. You know what I'm saying on there. That's gonna represent us right, yeah. and so I, my idea when I got with the homie JB and um, Bo was let's make that motherfucker sound fun like an anthem for us. Let's let's be the only ones that act like we like being from our hood. Cause if you listen to a lot of niggas' music on there, it's like, oh nigga, we going through this one, so we chose to make our shit on. Cause our, our hood, you know, we we love ones. We fuck around. We we have blue tie fairs. We party. We rock. We had our business on the street shit, but homies, homies, hom real homies. Love each other. We fuck around. We love one. So that song was, wasn't hard to make because it came from the heart from all of us, from JB to Bo, Free Baby Bo. But uh, my job was to make that motherfucker sound connected, tight, and right. You know what I'm saying? And we going to stamp that shit our way and do it our way. And I done been in liquor stores, slipping in different hoods, and blood niggas and got at me. Like, one nigga pulled up. I'm over there by the old... Stayed over there in Inglewood, nigga. I hop out at the store, try to grab me a little punk ass couple of blunts. Damo niggas pulled up, bumping that shit. <laughs> Hopped out the car, nigga. We listening to that shit right now. You the nigga from the rep your set. Woo -woo -woo. So, I, depending on how certain niggas handled their candle when that shit dropped, I gained yeah. a lot of respect out of that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because me and my niggas was real about it. A lot of it was good music from some hood. Something like Westside Pyrus had a banger. The Nutty Blocks had a banger. Like a lot of niggas had some hard ass shit. Now, that was a CD and a DVD. Double CD and DVD. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have no damn footage in our hood because a lot of niggas had the footage in their hood. We was going to throw a big-ass baseball game with the home homegirls versus the faux Trey homegirls, and that was going to be our footage, and we was going to show the dopeness, the fun shit. But the cameras, uh, niggas booked them niggas. I guess they went to another hood to get some footage, and they got booked for their cameras. Mm. So we didn't get a chance. <laughs> we didn't get a chance to push our line, but we had a whole event, a barbecue and everything set up for our shit. Our shit was gonna be liquor, you know. We West Side Roller, we was Rich Rolling, so we was on some fun shit, fresh shit with it. So you know, I, 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 if I could take it all back, I still do that motherfucker because we represented right. All right. So where can people find your tap in with? With Kato Show. Right here with y'all, man. I'm on Digital Soapbox <laughs> Digital Soapbox you know Network. You can catch us on Spotify, Google Play, brother. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Radio.com, brother. <laughs> what you going to do when the tap-in comes down on you, man, on my mama? You know what I'm saying? And smoke a lot. It's just, it's just like yeah. how smoke a lot is the Cosby Show and tap-in is a different world. But you get to we do this. Spin off. You get to do this by yourself. Solo. You don't have two other voices you're competing with. No, and I don't have the studio format. I go to them so... That enables me to kind of really tap in with you, yeah. and I'm adapting to the environment of my guests. 
So you're going to see some episodes. I'm somewhere where you might figuratively think I'm not supposed to be there. But if you're a nigga like Kato, you should have been there. So who are some of your upcoming guests on Tap In With Kato? Uh, I got my boy Kareem Grimes. He plays in uh, All-American. He coming on. You know what I'm saying? I got a few. I don't want to give everybody up because I don't want to mess up the tap. But yeah. I got some good. I got, uh, I'm got. i waiting for uh, James Savage and Raskazin to come from Russia. They're going to rock with me, you know, because everybody needs to so know the reintroduction of jail felony is James Savage. So he's going to tap in with me. You know, I'll talk to Uncle Corrupt and them in a minute, but I'm trying to give up some right now, some new fresh shit, and some new heroes out here that, like I say, some actors. I'm going to tap in with the food truck motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? All this new shit that we can be um, showcasing, so I want to use my platform, whatever city or whatever, don't matter, I'm tapping in, I'm coming through, I'm sliding on you, as long as you got some shit work to be tapped in on, don't, don't fuck mine off. Alright. <laughs> well, let everybody know before we wrap up the show, Kato, where they can find you at online. On Instagram, you can find me at uh, Katofornia, K-T-O-E-F-O-R-N-I-A, at Gmail. On, um, I'm not really on Twitter like that, you know what I'm saying? I probably should, but I don't be on that shit and just fuck with Smoke a lot. Yuck Mouth TV right now, we airing all the episodes off Yuck Mouth TV on, on, on YouTube. So you can tap into the yada da you know what I'm saying? And uh, Facebook ain't shit. So yeah, just fuck with me on Instagram, man, and uh, tap in with a nigga. And if you're an artist out there, actor... Somebody that's doing their stuff. You know what I'm saying? Fuck with a nigga. Okay. Holler those who holler back. All right. And uh, before we wrap up, James, you wanted to address one of these questions that I was going to actually say for next week, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Burrell and James McDonald was the two officers that got killed. His name was actually James McDonald. Same as his exact exactly. same name as you. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, James McDonald, he was a white cop, and Kevin Burrell was a, was a brother. He was a jailer, too. Cool as a mug. And all the guys in Compton that went to jail, Kevin Burrell was cool as a mug. Now, that's a question from Logo Fav on Apple Podcasts that asked, can you speak on the two Compton police officers that were gunned <laughs> down in 1993? Actually caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh... It was pulling over a bounty hunter, actually. Yeah. I don't want to speak bad on the bounty hunters, but he was going through some shit, and and the situation happened. I don't know what was on his mind or whatever. I'm speaking on Kevin Burrell and, mm. and, and James McDonald. They was cool, and I'm talking about cool. And they was partners, I guess, that night, and ran into to, to him and... Lost their lives. It's very rare that someone drops two cops, let alone just one. I'm mad at somebody. <laughs> no, wow. if you're in the same car, I mean, it goes to say. Have you ever heard this saying, how the hell four gangbangers in a car get caught with AKs, pull over, and let the police take AKs from them, but you're shooting at niggas? But you pull over for the police. Ain't that a bitch? Blow the windows out that motherfucker. Blow that motherfucking head. whistle. They gonna stop. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, so I don't want I, nobody I'm to talking about making that. music. See, you but, jump to conclusion. But it's still the same <laughs> thing, though. Yeah, I know what you you're know, But you'll stop for the police. <laughs> Ain't something wrong with that? Something's wrong with that. So, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to mention them, too. I knew them, and uh, they was cool. Mm. They was cool. All right, well, that wraps up. Episode 31 of the Gangster Chronicles. I, mean, I like this show, man. And Let if you're trying to track cool. James McDonald down, you can go to Facebook. 
and find his his page there. He's got the red Harley in the profile pic. And you could also find him on Instagram at B-I-G-G-J-3636. You can find me at AlexAlonso101 on all social media platforms. Um, 909-800-6404 if you're still trying to get one of them death row shirts. One that Reggie Wright wore on his way to turning himself into federal prison. And please share either the episode or the show with anyone else if you enjoyed this episode. And we're out. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. (laughs) I like that. This has been a Digital Soapbox Network production. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.